Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chronic Pain Experience Podcast. I am your host, Dina Chopolis, and today we are going to do things just a little differently. Every once in a while, I love to bring on the other experts, and those are ones who live with chronic pain and have lots of lived experience and lots of strategies to share. So today, I am fortunate to be sitting down and talking with Anne Schober. She's going to tell us a little bit more about herself, but thank you so much for being here, Anne. It is such an honor. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I just turned 60. (laughs) Um, My husband and I will be married 38 years in September, which is amazing. And I'll get back to him in a second. But we have three children and three children in love. And five of the best grandchildren you could ever ask for. Um, I used to be an autopsy assistant and then I moved on to becoming an English teacher, um, by going back to school at the age of 32. I think that's what it was. Amazing. Um, and yeah, I loved teaching English. I love seeing kids like start taking ownership of their own writing and writing their own stories and man, they had stories to tell. I left teaching, my goodness, 14, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, And when I did, um, a mentor teacher of mine, Erin Grewell, who was one of the original, or who was the Freedom Writer teacher, um, there's a movie about it called The Freedom Writers. Mm -hmm. And she is my mentor, flew me to California to learn about teaching to those kids who don't want to be taught. Mm. And she said, you, you are leaving your classroom, but your classroom is just reimagined. And she challenged me to write a book. So my first book was Heart Prince. And that was a book about myself and my kids and the journey of myself becoming the teacher that my kids needed to be. It was awesome. And I had how many kids? I think 12 or 13 of my former students actually wrote in it about their experiences, which was powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a teacher friend of mine and myself wrote another book called Writing Through the Mess. And it's a workbook about dealing with life struggles and how to dig deep into yourself and then enlighten yourself and embrace who you are. And then... This last book, I think, is more my baby than anything I could have ever written. Um, so much so that the co-creator and I got matching tattoos because it has been such a huge part of our lives for the last 16 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. We are definitely going to dive into what your book's all about because I'm super intrigued. I love the combination because you know part of our conversation is obviously going to be about your lived experience with pain and chronic illness. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you have both the writing portion, which is hugely beneficial, <laughs> and the um, the science part, you know, you, you're really the gal to talk to about uh, some of the things we're going to dive into. So again, really great to have you here. Can, you- can, can I say this real quick? Yes, of course. Um, you know, you asked me about myself, and I don't even know if any, if yourself or if any of the listeners would even have picked up on it, but I didn't mention anything about my illness. Mm-hmm. And that is because um, I just don't want it to define me, if that makes sense. I'd rather 
be defined as a mother or as an advocate or yes. um, a juice, which is my grandmother name. Oh. Um, <laughs> anything but a person fighting daily, if that makes sense. Like absolutely. And that's thank a, you. That's a huge conversation to have in itself, which actually maybe we'll spend a little bit of time on. But okay. There are some people who you know, the, the terminology is important for one. And then just the the characterization that these things have. Some people identify with it. Some people want to remove that identity. And right. I love your approach because I think it's a, it's a very healthy approach to not feeling like you're labeled by anything, not being defined by anything. Right. I, I think that's um, a really important point. So thank you for bringing that up. I think that's good clarification. And I think our listeners would probably understand enough. We don't necessarily have to go into details, but you do live with chronic illness and pain. I do. Right. Okay. Yes. Good so enough. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I've had it for so much longer and the doctors just did not know at all what it was. But as a mom and as my own person, mm -hmm. I knew something was going on and I just could not let it go. Right. Like I had injections in my hips and I had two shoulder surgeries mm. and everybody kept saying it's bursitis, mm. but it, those last four letters, itis is inflammation. Right. So, mm. or that's what it stands for. And the fact that nobody tried to look for the connections between the hips and the shoulders and the feet, like, mm. uh, but I finally found the person who did. So I'm really grateful for her. Good. Yeah. Sometimes it yeah. just takes um, time and effort to find that connection, right? That person mm -hmm. who really do the deep dive. Well, right. I love also that your, your approach to this. Now, do you feel like your approach to, you know, not being labeled by disease is coming from early days in the process? Did that come partway through the process for you? Did you start off that way? How did that come about? That is such a good question. So I think it's just since writing, mm. putting together the book Invincible has caused me to not see myself mm -hmm. as a person with a chronic illness, but rather an advocate for others. Because I think if I can put myself out of it, mm. um, it helps me to deal with everybody else. And I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. I compartmentalize a lot. Mm -hmm. So for instance, and this is, um, I know it's going to make me cry, mm -hmm. but you know, you, 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 how do I say this? You look forward to things, right? And then when those things are over, you have something else to look forward to. Right. Um, so my sister coming in this weekend and then knowing she was leaving, mm. um, that compartment was now being closed yeah. and I had to open the next one. And the next one is this week um, when I get studies done to see if I possibly have cancer. So I think that compartment closing mm -hmm. and now I have this new one open really sucks. But mm -hmm. then after that, I will approach whatever it is with gusto and move forward. But it's that in-between time of anticipation and trying to think of other things to keep your mind off of it. Yes. Um, so I'm not thinking about pain. I'm not 
<laughs> yeah. I am just thinking about that stupid test. Yeah. Um, yeah. How to get. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the compartmentalization is definitely a really important skill set, I would say. And it sounds like it's serving you well. How do you compartmentalize what's going on this week? Because it is a big week, it sounds like. It is. Um, yeah. Well, first off, I went to my support system Good. and my daughter saw that I was, you know, just getting a little bit down as my sister's visit came to an end. Mm. And I told her what was going on. And she said to me, what can I do to help you right. get through yeah. the next few days? And I think being a chronically ill person, I think it's so important for us to be extremely honest yes. with our support system, because if we're not, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to be able to help us in the way that we might not be able to verbalize. Right. Um, and, and I applaud all of my kids for taking notice to my attitude shifts. There was a time when I became very, very, very close to ending my life. And that was only a couple of months ago. I just felt like a burden. And my husband looked at me and he's like, your story isn't over yet. You're not going anywhere. Put on your big girl panties and deal with this. So, you know, support system. Yes. It is to me the most important thing, the most important thing. Yes. Um, and as I was telling my sister, like, I try to be strong and optimistic and upbeat around my children, but sometimes you just can't. And knowing that they're okay with that, mm. man, what a, um, right. That's, that's so important to me because I don't want to put extra stuff on them. Like right. my mom died when she was 54. So I was young thirties. Ah, my mom too. Wow. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'm navigating this age and the stage of my life without the person that I had hoped to learn it from. Right. Um, so that's a whole big thing in itself. Like I know my sister, when she turned 54, she was freaked out. Like, yes. Oh my right? God. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I'm like, I'm not like, I still have so much of life ahead when I was 54 right. and I wasn't diagnosed with RA, I don't think by then. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess it's been a little over, yeah, maybe a, like five and a half, six years. So right. yeah, we're just oh, all different. Yeah. I think if we recognize that with yeah. all of us, like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and right? you did bring up a really good point a moment ago, and I just want to dive into it a little deeper. You had mentioned sure. how in the compartmentalization process that you really felt like serving others was a key part of you finding your way through all of this. And yes. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you're serving people with your book. Now, is that part of you getting through this week? Like, are you tapping into serving others to help you get through this week in any way? Yes. And you're the, you're a part of that. <laughs> Good. That's what I was hoping to hear. Yeah. So yes, yeah, scheduling things um, like this, where I feel like I'm I have a purpose and I have my passion, right? Like that is so important. Um, yeah. It's so I'm doing a lot of those things this week. My son's dog is here. So at least I have somebody to talk oh, to during the day. Good. <laughs> um, good. My husband went back to work today and I love him immensely, but I think we need that separation too. Yeah, that's healthy. <laughs> right? It is, it is, you know, yeah. and he had, 
I mean, he just made me feel like a queen the whole weekend. So he deserves yeah. a chance to go to work and get away from me. <laughs> right. Oh, it's good for everybody. I agree. I agree. Now, you also, I am sensing, really good at reframing your situation. I think right off the get-go, you know, you're not necessarily ref- ref- well, actually, maybe it's considered a reframe, but not in calling yourself a warrior, someone who lives with pain, how important do you feel reframing the words that you're choosing is in helping you through all of this? Man, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm a writer, so I think of words all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is one I can't think of any words for. I think it's just my way to cope Um, because it's such a long process. Yes. I feel like if you put all your coping mechanisms on the table right from the get-go, you're going to get burned out from that. So Mm -hmm. I think waking up every day in pain, I know that's going to happen is, and I can't do anything to change that, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can put my feet up. I can rest all day. It does not matter. My pain is still going to be my pain Mm -hmm. today, tomorrow, and probably for the rest of my life. So I know when I wake up, that's expected. And what I look forward to are the things I don't expect during the day, like sitting outside in the sunshine, getting a call from a relative I haven't heard from or Mm -hmm. from a friend. Like Mm -hmm. I live for those unexpected moments because a lot of my chronic illness is expected. You know, the, the constant pain, the inflammation, the uncertainties, like Mm -hmm. that's common. So I think what other people would think would be common for them Mm. are not common for me. So that's what I focus on when people ask you your pain level. And I don't know, Mm. it's so hard. Like for me, I would have to say my pain is like at a two, but somebody else living in my shoes would say it's like a 20. Right. Um, (laughs) Yes. Right. So it's very subjective and very, very hard. And I try to not think of that at all. Right. Um, yeah. And just have fun with it. My like my littles will push me on my walker. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. And they'd love fighting over my wheelchair if I mm-hmm. need to take that so I can do things with them. Yeah. So it's concentrating on like that makes me smile. Seeing them yeah. push me and they're accepting. Yeah. I hope that answered the question. Definitely. And it leads me perfectly to my next question because part of the reason I was so excited to have on, I mean, the moment I met you, I just sensed that you have this energy about you, this really deep positivity, but also joy. Like it sounds like you're really (laughs) doing the work to find the joy in your life. And, And as a result, I'd love to know how you feel that joy really helps you with your health. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine how dull a world it would be if there was no joy? Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, joy is only brought to them monetarily. Mm-hmm. And I find that so sad because I find joy in um, honeysuckle. Like I have been searching for a honeysuckle and I cannot find it. 
that was a little a kid thing that I loved was going up and sucking on that juice. And, yes, yes. Right. And that's something I've wanted to do all summer mm-hmm. with my littles, but I can't find it. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. And I've always, and you said, like, you sound like you're very optimistic. And when I was born, I was born crippled. So my feet were turned to the left. Okay. So they, um, they asked my parents if they could break my legs and I would then be flat footed Mm. or do they want me to stay the way I was born? So Mm. my parents said, absolutely break her legs. Let's reset them. Mm. So for the first two years of my life, I was in casts and then I had a brace that connected my legs at nighttime so that Mm. I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. And my uncle Dan was I think he's only like 12 years older than me Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more but he my dad's brother he would stay with us Mm -hmm. and he said you smiled all the time all the time you never cried you were just so happy all the time so when we had CBs in cars back, you know, when driving cross country with my mom and dad, yes. my CB handle was the happy toothpick. <laughs> and I, I think it's just been how I was born. And I take that as such a gift from both of my parents. Mm-hmm. Like they always smiled and were, I mean, things were tough for them, but they never showed that to us. And that's what I hope to do Mm. for my friends and for my family, for my support group. I don't want them to see the toughness until I have to really show them and then they'll be there. You can't wake up every day saying, woe is me. Like that's not going to help anything. Um, Yeah. It's just silly. It's silly. And it's, and it amplifies the pain. It really does. I don't know that a lot of people realize that, but that thought process going into the day will absolutely amplify pain. Oh my goodness. Like if I'm sitting here and nobody's around, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I can feel the pain more intensely. It's the days that I don't focus on it. I know it's there. It's not going anywhere. So why am I going to focus on it? Right. Which is a skill. It truly is. Sometimes it is. it's work to get to that, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's taken a very long time. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. the good news is it can be done. It's just patience and persistence, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, like my girlfriend came over two days ago and she lost her mom on Thanksgiving day, which is really, really hard. Mm. And she walked in and she's like, I'm just not having a happy day. And she looked at me and she said, why do you always look so happy? And I didn't know how to answer her because, you know, I lost my mom. And even though it was 28, 29 years ago, mm-hmm. it doesn't get better because I think our mothers, we have a very, very special bond with them. Yes. So, so I told her I get it. But what I try to do is listen to comedy. Mm-hmm. at least for 20 minutes a day, because yes, it's hysterical. Like I can't help but laughing. So if you're right. laughing, yes. you're feeling joy. So yes. do the things that make you laugh. And I'm going to take it into a sad place just for a moment, because I know you'll resonate with this, but part of my, because I'm a, I'm an intermittent pain gal. So I, I am a migraine gal. Uh, Thankfully, things have changed a little bit as I get older. But my mom passed away from two massive cerebral hemorrhages when I was 24 as well. And she was 54. And so I always equated any headache, any migraine with 
death. And so it was really a process for me to have to work through building that safety again to say, no, you know, that's, this doesn't mean you're going to have the same fate. And so that was definitely a process too. It's amazing the context. I bring that up because context is so important. And if I might, just as far as the context piece, you were talking about your upbringing and your parents, and you already acknowledged they were very much a part of your pain experience now because the way they mm-hmm. worked with you then, uh, with your experience, helped set you up for success down the road to help right. you. It sounds like a little more uh, optimistic about whatever life was throwing your way. Yes. So my mother died from cancer called leiomyosarcoma. Okay. Extremely rare, extremely rare. Mm. Um, and she fought it, fought it valiantly for five years. Like the one oncologist said, you have six months. And my mom stood up and said, nobody knows how much time I have except the man above. Mm-hmm. And she left that practice mm-hmm. and went to another who referred her to Fox Chase so she could try the experimental drugs because she's like, I'm going out with this. There is no cure. If I can help somebody else, mm-hmm. that's my goal, right? Yeah. So look at that strength from her. And I would take her to all her chemotherapy right. appointments out in Philly and in the meantime, I was, you know, pregnant and having kids. Oh boy. And my mom was in the hospital and just not doing really, really well. And she had been there for both of my girls to be delivered. So then my son comes along and um, he was only three months old when she died. And she felt terrible that she could not be there because she was oh, getting her chemotherapy in Philly and I'm here in Lancaster. Yeah. Um, and gosh darn it, did she not make it? just in time um, to see Stephen born. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I look at her and her journey and then my father who has, who had colon cancer, Mm. open heart surgery, rheumatoid arthritis. And at the end of his life, we're not sure what took him, but we think his body, like he had, you know, masses in his lungs. And we just think his body just was like done fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, watching him with the RA as he progressed through the years was very eye opening for me, but it's also not in a bad way, but in a good way. Like, okay, 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 I can face this like my dad did it. And he was in a lot of pain. But I can do this because I saw it done through him. Yeah. Now you brought up a really great point earlier that I didn't want to forget about. And it was really about being honest about your pain Uh, Mm -hmm. for our listeners, you know, what do you find really helps you communicate your pain or, or how much do you find you talk about it with your family? What's your process look like? Right. I don't talk about it with them. Okay. And if I do, I lie. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's common. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's because I don't want their pity. I don't want them to say, um, oh, we can't call juice today to babysit because she's in pain, right? Like, I want to be able to make that decision. And if I wake up in the morning saying I'm in pain, Mm -hmm. that decision's been taken away from me. If that makes sense. Right. Yes. Um, And I know that can probably sound really weird to others, but I don't know how much time I have left. You don't know how much time you have left, right? And I have been so sick since Mm -hmm. my granddaughter was born that 
if I can take any time mm -hmm. to be with kids, I'm going to be with them. So right. yeah. by me not sharing the pain level with my yes. kids allows me to be a part yes. of their lives more, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because one of the biggest challenges uh, our community faces is that avoidance and that isolation. And so mm -hmm. when the pain becomes quite large, it's easier to say, I can't, and I have to stay on the couch. Not to suggest that you have to get out there and do it when you're in a deep pain day, but on the days that you can, it's really, really important to be able to capitalize on it <laughs> if I can. Yes. Right. Even though you know the next few days are going to suck, right? Like yeah. you can't do something without um, some kind of repercussions when you have chronic illness. Right. Uh, but you get one life. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. get one life and I want to soak it all up as much as I can. Absolutely. And I think that could be a whole other discussion is that finding that line in the sand between underdoing and overdoing, right? And mm -hmm. there will be days when perhaps, you know, you just got to underdo it because you know, you're saving up your spoons, your energy, whatever you want to call it for right. tomorrow's event. Or so it, unfortunately, it becomes about thinking these things through, which a lot of people just don't want to do. And I understand that completely. Right. Because it it's a practice, right? Like practice, um, right. Mike and I, I forget where we were going, but we were going someplace and leading up to that, mm -hmm. I knew I needed to rest for at least three days yes. and then look at my schedule when I get back to mm -hmm. allow a couple of more days to be built in. Right. That takes a lot, but I'm blessed that I don't know if I'm blessed, but I'm on disability. So I don't need to worry about mm -hmm. getting up and going. I can do it at my own pace. And I, yeah, I think I'm lucky that way too. Like I never yeah. thought I'd be on disability at the age of 58 is when it started. Never know my wildest dreams, right. but right. it's helping me to stay as healthy as I can be. Exactly. So that you can write your book. Yeah. <laughs> so I can do anything. Anything and everything, which is Kind of one I, where I wanted to head next. So if that's okay, okay with, with you. Absolutely. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about your book. It's in, called Invincible, right? It is. Okay. Um, so social media, first mm -hmm. off, can I say that I'm glad that we grew up in a time where we didn't have it? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so social media, you know, I had what, a thousand friends. Most of them are former students or teacher friends from around the world mm -hmm. and nobody except my tribe mm -hmm. um, has known what I've gone through these past six years. Okay. I don't want it out on social media. I just didn't feel like that was my platform. Mm -hmm. So in December, New Year's Eve, 2021, not feeling the greatest. And my friends looked at me and said, what are you going to do? What's 2022 going to be like for you? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Like I need to find my passion again because my friends could see me going in a direction they didn't like. Right. So I said, you know, let me think about it. But I think there might be another book in me, but I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So it took me a few weeks and it dawned on me. It's like, damn it, Anne, you have a chronic illness. Write about it. But mm -hmm. I knew 
I didn't want it to be just about me. Right. So I called my publisher mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, I like that idea. Go for it. So mm-hmm. in order to do that, I then had to come out behind the screen mm-hmm. on social media. Mm-hmm. So I put a picture of me in a wheelchair at a Notre Dame game mm-hmm. and just went into my story and said that I'm looking for others to walk this journey with me. I closed the computer. The My friends and Mike and I flew to Punta Cana. We tried to do a winter trip, but that's becoming really hard now because of mm-hmm. everything. Right. Closed the computer. And my sister, um, as I was in Punta Cana, I kept like texting like, you got to see you're blowing up. And I'm like, nope, not till I can get home. And I open my computer and there's like 500 comments wow. and direct messages. Mm. And from that, 28 people, 28 of us became the constants that were just talking back and forth. Mm. And those 28, myself included, are the ones who filled the books of Invincible or the pages of Invincible. All of them are different. A few have RA. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight former patients or students of mine mm-hmm. are fighting chronic illness, which makes me so unbelievably sad. But there was one person who stood out to me, and I did not know our connection until later. Mm-hmm. But her name is Molly Ayers, and she wrote to me saying, You have so many comments. You're not responding. If you're feeling overwhelmed, I'm here to help you. And she oh. was the only one to say that. Oh. And she has her own story. So I reached out to her and said, oh my goodness, you're like an angel. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. I need your help. Mm -hmm. So we met each other and she -hmm. is actually the sister of one of my former students who I am super close with he and his family, but I had never met his sister. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So between the two of us, we had an idea of where we were headed. And then all these stories are coming in and they're all so freaking depressive. Mm. That's, that should not be the focus of our book. Right. Right. Um, so how do you, how do you pivot? How do you switch things? Right. Yeah. Because personally I wouldn't spend a dollar on a book filled with horrifically depressing stories. Like I don't know anybody that would. Right. So when I was in college, one of my research papers was on Elizabeth Kubler's Ross, mm-hmm. Five Stages of Grief, mm-hmm. and decided like when you get a chronic illness, mm-hmm. you go through grief. Absolutely. You know, you're grieving your old self, you're grieving the things you can no longer do. But it's more than that. So we decided to use that as our model, but do it in the way that if it's a negative, like denial, the next group of stories are going to be acceptance. Right. Um, So polar opposites, one after another Mm -hmm. in the book. So one chapter of denial, one chapter of acceptance, nine different chapters, all the way from denial to ending with gratitude. And what a difference it made. Oh, I love this because it just... I mean, it really showcases, you said social media, and if you were ever in social media, and that's where I found you, was (laughs) sometimes can be an upside, but 
a lot of the chronic pain groups are very much just about telling those sad stories and they are tough and you need to have a space to tell that story. Yes. Tell that story over and over again is very hard, right? Emotionally, Mm -hmm. physically. So I love the fact that you're, you're honoring that space, that safe space to tell the story, but also coupling it with something that's far more impactful positively on your health, on your emotional health, on your physical health. Yeah. And if, if, you know, you pick up the book, you will see that the longer chapters are definitely the negative ones because for some people, they just couldn't be pushed that far. And we really wanted to keep their voices. So we, so important. um, Yeah. And we didn't, so we didn't do a lot of editing. So is it filled with Uh grammatical mistakes? Absolutely. But it's not my story to tell. Right. And it's real. It's real. And it's real. Yeah. And we put that little disclaimer in the beginning because we didn't want them to think that, you know, anybody picking this up, that this was going to be a perfect book, right? Right. It's, but none of us are perfect. So the book shouldn't be either. I love it. Oh my God. (laughs) I love it. Well, it, it, um, I mean, there's so much I could say there just as far as just having a safe space to tell your story, but also to impact others. It's a great focus for you, which I love because you yeah. are a helper and it's only going to help you as well. Like that's the best part about reciprocation, right? You know? And I think I just don't want to let any of these people down. Like they trusted their story with me. I don't want to let them down. So I am trying to do as much as possible to get their stories out there. Like we are all anonymous in the book. So you wouldn't know what story is mine or what is somebody else's. And that's because so many of us have these invisible illnesses. So Mm -hmm. we want it to be invisible as well. Yeah. Which is powerful in and of itself. So I am, I just love everybody in this book. like, (laughs) And some of them, them I've never even met, but we're all fighting and I don't want to let them down. So they're my purpose. They're my passion. My family is my why, but Mm. my authors are my purpose. Yeah. Oh, what a powerful, powerful purpose. And honestly, I I love, here goes my brain. I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say, but that's okay. I'll come back to it. Oh, I know I was going to say it really goes to, I think the further along I get in this whole coaching chronic pain chronic illness space is that mm-hmm. there are just so many people because it's invisible oftentimes there are so many right. people living with this who are either not coming forward because we're not allowing them to or they don't feel in a safe enough space to do so whatever the reason any opportunity like you've offered them is uh, is golden as far as just that safe uh space right to be able to to tell their story right. and, and impact others so it's not just about their story for themselves, it's, it's impacting others. So, and for yourself too. It really, it really is. So can I talk about one particular author? Please do. Okay. One of my former students, excuse me, who went to school with my oldest daughter and I had her as a student, I think for a semester, she was way too smart for me. So (laughs) I could never have taught Amanda a whole lot of anything. So she had cerebral spinal fluid leak. Oh, Uh, yeah. Along with so many other illnesses Mm -hmm. and, but extremely smart. She 
um, achieved her PhD as she was lying flat on a bed because the pain from the leak sitting up, she would have never have been able to, you know, continue on with school. So Amanda wrote every chapter, something in every single chapter. And unfortunately, she passed away at the age of 35 unexpectedly um, in January, right as we were ready to hit that button to publish. Mm. Um, So we took a step back. And even though Amanda was 35, Mm. as a mother, as her former teacher, as one of the creators of Invincible, I didn't feel that we could put Amanda's stories in there without her family okaying it. Okay. Yes. Again, she was 35. um, But as a mother, I felt like I needed to give them that opportunity. Right. So Mickey, I had just gotten out of the hospital. um, And my oldest daughter put me in a wheelchair and took me to the funeral. And we get up front to see her parents. Mm -hmm. And they hugged me and told them about the stories and they said, please do it. So Amanda's voice is never silenced. Right. Oh yes. That's so important. I'm so thankful. It is like she's not here in this world right now with us, Mm. but her words are, her stories are, um, yeah, she's, she's just continuing to raise awareness and to advocate without even being here. And I think that is the power of words. That's the power of our stories. Mm. That's the power we can give to the world. So absolutely. Oh, man, I'm coming up with doozies today. (laughs) This is so good. Oh, well, honestly, I, I think we could have probably a series of podcasts, but I did hear, I, I, wanted to just acknowledge this that I heard recently we're having a lot of um a lot of issues with forest fires up here in Canada and we have people from around the world coming to fight these fires for us which in itself is pretty amazing right. uh, and one amazing woman from South Africa was interviewed along with another gentleman from France and she said something that just blew me away and I'm thinking about you very much in this situation uh, Anne where she said we're here fighting fires and restoring dignity. And, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the fighting fires. We're fighting fires, we're fighting fires. But the fact that they're also working so hard to restore dignity is is amazing. And I, I feel like that's much of what you're doing as well. And that's also the work I'm trying to do is just not just fight fires, but we're trying to restore dignity. And I think that's something that your authors are also doing. Oh, I love that. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we don't we don't want pity. Like right. if you see me parking in a handicapped spot mm-hmm. with my placard mm-hmm. and you see me getting out of my car and I can walk, right. don't judge me. Yes. Do not judge me. Right. Um, and that is so important. Like I, and I get stares all the time, whether I'm in a wheelchair or my walker or I'm getting out of my car with none of those devices and simply walking into the grocery store. What people don't see is what is going on internally as you're fighting to take each step, as you're fighting to get around that store so you can get the exercise and feel 
Right. Like you have a purpose right? at that moment to walk in that store, get what you need mm-hmm. and go home. Like, yeah. N- oh, I, I just don't like when people judge others without knowing their story because right. every single person has a story right? Um, and yeah. every single story matters. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, just a simple, like, don't, don't judge, like ask me a question, right? Instead of yeah. looking at me ask first before you assume, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I, right. Like ask me, I'd be willing to tell you anything you want to know. Like, right. Ask yeah, me, don't you, judge me. We really, really have a long way to go in informing the public about what chronic pain really is and how, yeah. how all consuming it is. That mean that when you address the, just the lived experience and all the context behind it, uh, I think they'd be a little more compassionate if they actually knew <laughs> what was going on. Right. That's why this podcast, honest to goodness, it's a chance to get that message out there. Um, and that's why your voice and all of your author's voices, you know, for the work that you're doing with them is just so, so important. So, and I want to ask you before we get going, cause I'm trying to be mindful of time is where can we find the book? So you can find the book on our website, okay. www.invincible2023.com. Um, that's the best place. You can also get it on Amazon. Okay. Oh, good. And it is online at Barnes and Noble, I believe. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's everywhere. We're thinking of creating workbooks to go with it. Excellent. You know, one workbook for the patients and then another one for the caregivers, families, and friends. Ah, so Um, important. I love that. It is. And and so that gets me back to my husband, who has been, he's the epitome Mm -hmm. of caregivers. Like Mm -hmm. I was on a drug that caused my bowel to perforate. Mm -hmm. He learned how to change my colostomy bag. Wow. And he, t- he kept telling me, you are not ugly. Like you wake up with that. Wow. Mm. Right. And you're like, oh my God, like you, why would you want, or why would you even think I was attractive when I have this bag just hanging off of me? Yeah. And he said, you're not the bag. Right. You and you're beautiful. Um, and then when I came home the last time in January from the hospital, I was on a feeding tube and he learned how to do that. Wow. So, man, how yeah. freaking blessed am I? And that's right. for anybody, anybody who's just starting the process mm. or who is halfway through or you've been dealing with this for 20 plus years. Yeah. Thank your caregivers. Right. It's tough on them too. That's a whole other podcast there, but it does goes to show that your environment, the support you have or the support you don't have does impact the lived experience and the pain that you feel. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. So kudos to your guy and please give him a big high five from me today. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> and it oh, has been course. such a pleasure to meet you, to have this conversation <laughs> today. I'm wishing nothing but good things for your book because I think it's such an important message. Uh, oh, thank you. Here. I really appreciate Thank you. It. And thank you for being patient with me. I know our first no. meeting I really cut short. Not um, wrong. But you you helped me to realize what I can and can't do. And I don't know if you knew this. Maybe I told you. Um, but I did a, a presentation at our local university this past week right. about writing. Mm-hmm. And I had not done a presentation since 
prior to my diagnosis. So when I was standing with you Mm -hmm. and then I all of a sudden felt terrible after 10 minutes, I needed that in order to get ready for my presentation. Ah. Because as soon as we got done and I got my wits about me again, Mm -hmm. I ended up emailing her saying, I'm going to need a chair. I'm not going to be able to stand like I used to. Um, So thank you. (laughs) Honestly, it, it was such a pleasure. I'm so glad you got through it. And it was a good experience. That's all that counts. Yes. My a good experience and my last one. And um, your last one. Oh. It is. Yeah. I yeah. realize I just can't yeah. do it. So, you know, when you think of a teacher being in front of the classroom for 45 minutes, right? Like yes. you're on all the time. You cannot let down. Yeah. Um, and that's hard emotionally and mentally. But then on the other side, I have my physical issues. So it was... exhausting. It was exhausting. Well, I have lots of opportunities to fill that gap if ever you want. (laughs) So we'll talk talk afterwards. But anyway, thank you so much again for being here. I'm going to stay in touch. And uh, for all our listeners, um, thank you so, so very much for being here and have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Hey there. Thanks so much for being here and listening in. By you being here today, it states loud and clear that you're either curious about learning more about your pain, or you're ready to truly shift and become the expert on your pain. Either way, we've opened the doors to the Change Pain Academy. The Academy is a space to radically shift your understanding of pain so that you can be one of the key stakeholders at the decision-making table for your chronic pain care. It's a space to support you as you implement new skill sets and behaviors to change the pain so that you can get back to a life well lived. And the best part? We do all of this inside an incredibly supportive community where we learn, grow, and celebrate wins together. Unsure if you're ready yet? Test your readiness to change your pain and learn valuable next steps with our quiz at paintopossibilities.com forward slash chronic pain quiz. That's pain number two possibilities.com forward slash chronic pain quiz. Or for more information, you can go to our website at pain to possibilities.com.